This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. Good morning. It's great to see everyone here this morning. Special welcome to our uh, visitors. It's good to have you with us to join as we sing How Great is Our Lord. We want uh, a record of everyone's attendance, so if everyone would please remember to check in uh, to the number that is, uh, is behind me, uh, or you can take that pew card in front of you, and that has uh, information on how you can check in. 
If you're here for the first time, we ask that you take that pew card and fill it out and take it to the Welcome Center, uh, and we'll be glad to give you a gift, a special gift, um, thanking you for your attendance to be with us today. I understand there was a, a, a very great turnout for the Women of Worship that started this last Tuesday. Um, I wasn't invited, but I hear that it went uh, extremely well. Uh, and we are encouraged that so many people, uh, so many of our women uh, took advantage of this great time uh, of fellowship and learning uh, together. We encourage everyone, uh, all our ladies, to please take advantage of this. The Women of Worship meets on Tuesday mornings at 9.30. Child care is provided. There's more information on the website. As we continue our worship this morning, hear the words of the Lord from Psalms 86, 9 through 10. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do indeed come and worship before you. And by joining with others here in Dallas and around the world throughout history, we bring glory to your name. You open to us your power and glory through your spirit that you have placed within us. You give us this avenue of prayer to directly address you, the Almighty, in person, heart to heart. You give us our hope through grace in the name of your son, Jesus. And so let our words, our songs, our prayers, our attitude be pleasing to you through this time of worship. In humility, we reflect on our lives, our relationship to you and each other, and quite honestly, we are found lacking. Forgive us. Lift us to higher ground. We yield in letting you mold us into vessels pure and holy. Strengthen us so that we may become your light in a dark world. Bring us together in unity. And may we always call on you in our day of trouble or our time of joy. It's the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. All right, church, let's, uh, let's stand and let's offer our voices this morning in praise and worship. You are God alone from before time began. Thank you. 
communion time around the bread and cup this morning by Austin White. Austin is part of the Rooted class. This is probably our newest adult class uh, that is starting up, and so uh, we'll share a little bit more about that and about adult education later on in our service, but Austin's going to lead us this morning around the bread and cup. Let's, uh, let's sing this song as we prepare. Lost Jesus. 
church. Um, so this week uh, I, was, I was asked to lead and um, so I'm a teacher and coach by trade. Uh, I, I just transferred jobs to Naaman Forest uh, High School and I teach health there. Um, so I have a student and he's been, uh, he's been uh, interesting to say the least. He's, uh, he's definitely testing me uh, from the start uh, and he's seeking my attention. Uh, and you know, whenever kids come to school and they don't they don't have that attention at home, they usually att- seek that attention in class. And while I'm presenting, he's talking, and I'm I'm trying to present, and um, it's kind of annoying. I'll I'll be honest. Uh, so I've had to uh, write him up twice this past week. Uh, but you know, as as I uh, as I uh, I'm thinking about my thoughts. I think I think about how we seek attention as uh, as Christians, um, and uh, we you know we ask for for uh, provision and we ask for prayers of protection and um, you know we have we have different things that we ask for, uh, but we're always we're always trying to seek uh, Him, and we need God uh, in every day of our lives. Uh, so as as He was looking for my earthly attention. Um, I pray that we can be lights in our communities and I can be uh, a light to him uh, as a Christian. Uh, Let us pray for the the bread. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, just um, be with this bread as it represents uh, Jesus' body. Uh, Lord, just let us be lights. Uh, uh, Lead us to be lights in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, let us bow. Lord, um, thank you for, for this day and the many blessings you give us, God. I just pray that you, um, you be with this cup um, as it represents uh, Jesus' blood. Lord, just give us strength as we enter the week. In Jesus' name, amen. So church, if you, if you came prepared this morning to give an offering, you can drop that in the box in the, the middle of the foyer. I know many of us are giving online. Thank you. However you choose to give to further the work of this church, to further God's work in this place, thank you. Austin, thank you for sharing that this morning. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's go to the Father in prayer. Father, we're thankful for the opportunities that you lay before us, opportunities to serve, opportunities to give, to, to work, to join together. Father, opportunities to be your light in this world. And I'm, I'm thankful for what Austin shared this morning. Father, I pray that you give him your words, that you give him your light. Fill our teachers, Father. Fill our teachers with your wisdom as they teach, as they encounter our children, as they are on the front lines during the week. And Father, thank you that they have chosen to be there. Bless us, Father. Bless us as we give. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Let's watch. Hi, I'm Brian Hurst. And I'm Allison Hurst. And we are members of Preston Crest's newest Bible class, Rooted. Our class is a collection of families, couples, and individuals seeking to be rooted and established in love as we encourage one another toward the upward call of Christ. We hope for Rooted to be a class where we cultivate each other's spiritual strengths, bless our church family and community, and grow in knowledge of the Lord and His Word. We may be walking in several different phases of life, but we recognize that each of us has a story that benefits our group goal to glorify God. 
Just like the tree planted by the water from Jeremiah 17, we desire to grow to be better friends, spouses, parents, and children of God. Join us as we dig deep roots in the Word of God to prayerfully produce good fruit for Him. Good morning. I want to let you know about a new conference that is coming to Preston Crest on February 3rd through the 5th of 2023. The conference is called Telling the Story, a church growth and evangelism conference. The elders graciously agreed to host this conference back in the spring. And since that time, a great committee and myself, we have been planning for this new conference with some exciting plans. The conference will begin on February the 3rd with a great message from our brother Shelton Gibbs III at Greenville Avenue Church of Christ. Throughout the day on Saturday, February the 4th, there will be 30 different classes and 30 different teachers, each one talking about evangelism and church growth in a different way. There will be a free celebration of ministry dinner Saturday evening, February the 4th. And then on Sunday morning, February the 5th, after second service, the conference will conclude with Bruce McClarty, the former president of Harding University, preaching that morning. More details will be coming in the months of October, November, and December, but I would ask you to go ahead and right now mark this down on your calendar for February 3rd through 5th of 2023 as churches all across DFW and hopefully across the state and different parts of the nation gather here for us to dream and to discuss how we can better tell the story of Jesus. Thank you. Thanks, Jacob. I need to remind you we are tying knots in a quilt today, and that is for Joyce Heaps. Please make plans to stop by there and, and, and tie a knot and take Joyce's name with you this week. Uh, lift her up before the Lord. Church, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. We're going to sing one more song, and then Gordon's going to come share with us this morning. You give life, you are love, you bring light to So 
this morning. Bow your heads. Given the text that we're about to enter into, let me sing this prayer over us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory Amen. Thank you, John Scott. What a gift, what a blessing. You know, I was going to, of course, sing that this morning, Paula, but the allergies, the voice, I always appreciate having a plan B, you know. Yeah. Now, the day I sing a solo over the church, it's probably the, the last day this church will ever meet. It'll be like, yeah, we're done. It can't get any worse. <laughs> So that's where we are this morning in the Sermon on the Mount. We are at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, the soul of the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer. And it's been a journey so far, many weeks leading up to this. We've got some weeks left to come as we talk about Jesus' words in this message. Um, he has shared with us a lot about living our best life. He's invited us into a world where God reigns, where we are his children seeking after his righteousness, where we want to see his, his agenda, his kingdom come. Uh, and so we've been seeking that. We've been looking at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower, a church of Jesus Christ here in North Dallas. Um, and week by week, Jesus has been telling us really extraordinary things, which you would expect the Son of God coming to earth would say some extraordinary things, and he certainly delivered on that, like at the very beginning when he told us, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. We live in a blessed are the powerful world. Blessed are the rich. Blessed is the billionaire who can build his own rocket to space. Blessed are those who call the shots. Jesus said, no, upside down. You got it wrong. It's blessed are the poor in spirit. Why would the poor in spirit be blessed? They know the truth. They know that they come to Jesus 
with nothing to offer in exchange. They know that when they approach the throne of God, they have no leverage. They have no bargaining chips. And it's blessed to know the truth. Because when your hands are empty of self, you're ready to receive from God. And so he's, in, in some respects, I think through chapters 5 and 6, Jesus has been kind of bulldozing all of our attempts to get right with God on our own. Bulldozing and knocking down our self-salvation projects. And he's done this in a number of ways. A number of things he said when he delivers a truth, you can't deny it. And you're left not feeling better about your own righteousness and spirituality. Like when he talked in chapter 5 about our anger. He said, you may not have murdered someone, but you have broken that command of God just like a murderer if you have not been able to control your anger. That was chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. You don't hear that and think, huh, I suddenly feel better about myself. I suddenly feel closer to God. No, I realize my spiritual bankruptcy. I realize, okay, I'm equivalent to a murderer in terms of how I have been unable to control my anger. And then he talked about adultery. Remember that one? He said, you don't have to have actually committed any act of adultery in order to have violated that command of God. He said, if you've lusted in your heart, you have violated that command, verse 28. And once again, you don't walk away from an honest hearing of Jesus there feeling self-secure right? He told us that to live up to God's standard of love, that it's not enough to just love your friends, to love those folks that are lovable around you. He said, no, God's standard of love, if you're going to love like that, you will love your enemies. Again, I don't feel great about the way I love when he confronts me with that truth and he was uniquely qualified to talk about loving your enemies. The one who gave himself for those who were heckling him, jeering him, the ones who put him on the cross. He died for them. Father, forgive them. So if I'm going to live my best life, uh, it's going to look a little different to what I see modeled in the world around me. If I'm going to live my best life, Jesus wants me to understand a reality that I'm not good on my own, that I am empty-handed when I come to God. I'm just a beggar begging for a, for a crust of bread. But then out of the rubble of the ruins of my self-righteousness, um, we have the Lord's Prayer that John Scott just sung over us, that even though we are sinners without one plea, it's okay we're good because we are sons and daughters of God. He is our Father. And so we can come into our Father's presence and we can ask and we can worship and we can celebrate His goodness as His children. So this morning as we get ready to walk through the Lord's Prayer, let me just say there really is no way to experience your best life without taking prayer seriously. I mean, if prayer is not a part of your daily life, you are missing out. 
You are not connecting to your creator who brought you in. You're not connecting to your God who holds eternity in his hands. You're not connecting with the one who can fill your life with purpose and meaning today. You're not living your best life if you're not regularly in prayer. That doesn't mean it comes naturally. It doesn't mean that Tuesday morning you're going to feel like praying. It doesn't mean that. In fact, Christian mystics for centuries called prayer ora labora, Latin, prayer work, ora labora. It is a work. Sometimes it can be a grind. It can be a challenge. But we do it because we want to see God break through in our lives We want to see more than what the world offers. We want to see his kingdom. So in the middle of the sermon, I mean, he's preaching, he's teaching, and and then in the middle of the sermon he says, hey, Matthew 6, 9, pray like this. He says, guys, I want to teach you something about how to pray. It was that important to Jesus right in the middle of the sermon. Pray like this. And we're going to work through several parts of this beautiful prayer this morning that are really foundational, not only to the way we pray, but the way we live as children of the King. And that is where it starts. It starts with this position that we have. Now, he's wrecked all of our self-righteousness, all of our claims to being good. But then he says, but there's this. You are children of God. When you pray, you pray to your Father. That is your position. And there is no position in the universe like that one. A child of God, our Father in heaven. There's an old, very old story of a Roman emperor leading the conquering legions back into the capital, back into Rome. He's riding a white stallion at the head of the parade. There are all of these Roman soldiers in all their fine regalia behind, some on horses, some marching with their weapons. They've just won a magnificent battle. At the back of the parade, there are these hundreds of prisoners, as was the Roman custom, those who defied Rome, who fought Rome, and who were captured. They would be paraded into the city after the battle, and there they were. And lining the streets were more soldiers cordoning off the streets, making sure that the parade could continue unhampered, that no one would get you know, underfoot or trampled or anything like that. But as the parade got close to the the pinnacle, to the palace, this little girl kind of squirted under the legs of a Roman soldier and into the street, and that soldier said, hey, girl, who do you think you are? No one dares approach the emperor like this. And she turned and she looked at him, she smiled and she even giggled and she said, he may be your emperor, he's my daddy. The daughter of the king. And when we come before God, Jesus starts the prayer out, remember who you are, remember your position. When you come into God's presence, you are his child. You call him Father. Ephesians 1, 5 
Paul writes about how we have been adopted into God's family, selected, adopted, brought into his family through Jesus Christ. Mm. So there's our position. There's also our perspective. When we come into the presence of God, he's our father, yes, he is God, yes. And so we come before him as worshipers, as those who are drawn to adore him, to celebrate and exalt him. That's the phrase, hallowed be your name. You are not common. You are not God ordinary. You are not routine. You are God. Hallowed be your name. That means exalted, lifted up, separated, set apart. When we come before God, he loves us as his children, yes, but we are not his BFFs. God does not call us for advice. God does not need a ride to the store. God does not need our help. God is God. He is El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. And we are worshipers of God. And there, by the way, don't think that's impractical. That's the impractical part of the Lord's oh, That may be the most practical part of the Lord's Prayer. Because it puts everything else into perspective. When you get God on the throne, you're able to knock all the pretenders off their cardboard thrones. All of those voices in your life, week long, that tell you they're in charge. You should chase after me. You should pursue me. You should fear me. No, when God is hallowed in your life, everything else finds its proper place. Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord, knowing who he is, setting him where he needs to be above all else, that's the beginning of wisdom. You probably know that phrase is all over the scriptures. The fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. My perspective as a worshiper gets clearer when I consider how, like, historically, in all of these accounts in the Bible, how people like me reacted or felt when they encountered, not God, but, but just his messengers, his angels. We have so many of these encounters, Genesis all the way to Revelation. And you probably know where I'm going. Every time someone encountered an angel of God in Scripture, they were terrified, so awesome, so majestic, so otherworldly, so powerful. People would commonly just throw themselves on the ground in front of an angel. And almost always the angel would have to say, do not be afraid. First words, generally in any conversation with an angel, think about Mary and Gabriel. First words, do not be afraid. That's an angel. That's one of heaven's message boys. There are, according to Revelation 5, 11, 10,000 times 10,000. There are a lot of angels. And if one angel dispatched from heaven can make people feel that, what about the presence of God himself, the one who sits on the throne? We come in prayer as worshipers of God, and it puts everything else in place. No longer are we 
worshipers of false gods, of success, of Instagram followers, of sex, of pleasure, of achievement. No, we're worshipers of God and God alone. Moses, one time, Exodus 33, I love Moses' heart. He loved God. He wanted to know more of God. He wanted to experience more of God. And so he comes, he's like, God, I just want to see you. I want to behold your glory. I mean, that's a prayer. I, I get it. Yes. And God's like, mm, I can't do that for you, Moses. You remember, right? If you were to see my glory, you would die. Like, like all of the circuitry in your body and mind and heart would just be fried. But God does want to be known. And so he says, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you a glimpse. I'll give you just a, a brief view of part of my glory. Ah, oh, we are worshipers. And when he is on the throne, everything else seems to fall into place. When we behold him, we realize who is worthy of worship and who is not worthy of worship. And even in all of his glory and power, as we come to him in worship and prayer, just think about that first thing, your position. You're still his child. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that just give you goosebumps? You are his child, the God of the universe. So position, perspective, and there's also this seeking of his reign, not my reign. Because sometimes the God is, is my agenda, is me, the false God. And so this is a prayer for preeminence, for putting God first, his kingdom first. Your kingdom, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when Jesus began preaching, first thing he started preaching, his messages had this common refrain, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Heaven is, is beginning to break through. Turn around, make sure that you're lined up with it. Don't miss out. You know, the beginning of time, God, this creator God, however many years ago, speaks the universe into existence. And there it is God and his universe. Everything is as it should be. His dominion is complete in the far reaches, every dark corner of the cosmos. And then we rebel. Humanity, which was to be the pinnacle of the creation, we decide we know better. Or at least we want to try our hand at calling the shots, at, at running things. And that's where problems broke in. And so we pray for the restoration. We pray, no, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is perfectly done in heaven. That's what we want, God. And when his kingdom comes, it will never again be challenged or checked. When his kingdom comes, when it breaks through, injustice, injustice, injustice is done. And darkness has disappeared, banished in his light. We as Jesus' disciples, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask for that. We ask for wrongs to be made right. 
We ask for oppression to be smashed. We ask for racism to be vanquished. No more poverty. Chains of addiction broken. People are free as they were always meant to be. Broken relationships are restored. That's what it looks like when his kingdom comes. And that's what we want. The unbroken reign of God. And when I say on earth as it is in heaven, I start by looking at the earth under my feet. (laughs) Your will be done here in my life, in my heart, in my attitudes, and may it extend out through me as I am an ambassador of heaven. You know, may your preeminence, your, your preeminence, God, may it be restored starting right here with me and my family and my church family. And now, I love this part, right? We go from these grandiose, the kingdom of God, to just a sandwich, a piece of bread. This is a prayer for provision. Jesus says we don't just pray for for the big colossal things, for the, the spiritual themes, for eternal matters. We pray for breakfast. We pray for lunch. We pray for daily bread, verse 11. Take care of us. And it's a recognition that it comes from him, that the basic necessities of life come from our Father. You may not recognize that. You may be a believer, unbeliever. It doesn't matter if you recognize it or not. At one level, he will take care of you. If you have something to eat, it is from God. Jesus has already told us in chapter 5, God sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. His sun rises on the good and on the evil. If you enjoy good things in life, you know where they come from. Maybe you don't, but they come from God. But we as his children, we are aware of where they come from. We know where we get our meals. We know where shelter and health and basic necessities. It's from you, God. Thank you for that. And give me today my daily bread. You are my Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, my Lord who provides. He takes such good care of his sons and daughters. And then, of course, as a human being, (laughs) I need grace. I need forgiveness. And so Jesus teaches us to pray for pardon. Pray for God's pardon. Forgive us our debts, verse 12. Your version of the Bible might say our trespasses. Um, It's interesting. Jesus also adds that we might be forgiven or that we pray, (laughs) forgive me my debts as I forgive those who sin against me. So there is a connection there. God is gracious and merciful and forgiving, and I'm his child Run the DNA test. One way that you're going to see the results of of that paternal linkage is that I'm forgiving. I'm graceful. I'm merciful. Forgive me as I forgive God. We offer grace because we have been offered grace upon grace. Amen. I like what Fleming Rutledge wrote in his book, The Crucifixion. Beautiful. He said, grace is the gravity of our God-breathed world. 
out of his own surprising goodness, God made a world and invited us to be his honored guests in it. He set the table. He made the meal. And even more surprising, when we abruptly left the table to heed another dinner invitation, he cleaned up the mess. God is not just a giver, he's also a forgiver. His grace is a persistent and pursuing one. God does not wait for Adam to start looking for him. It is God who comes looking with the question, Adam, where are you? The first word spoken to a fallen humanity, Adam, where are you? God seeking to restore that fellowship, to walk with the people that he made. Interesting, right, this phrase, forgive us our sins. This is the one line in the prayer that Jesus did not need to pray for himself. Forgive us our sins. Jesus, what sins? How many times from his birth up to this moment had Jesus committed a trespass against God? Zero. Unblemished. Perfect record. And yet he prays for this. Father, I love the humility. I love the connection he makes with his people. Father, forgive us our sins. Why would he do that? Because, well, he knows that um, our spiritual resumes look a little different. Our track record is not unblemished. We are not sinless. We need forgiveness. And so he taught us to ask for that in our prayers and to offer that to others around us. When we refuse to forgive, we pull a little bit of hell up into our relationships. When we extend grace and forgiveness, we bring a little bit of heaven down into our relationships. And finally, Jesus says, when we pray, we pray as people who need to be protected, as people who are vulnerable to the evil one in this world. It's a prayer at the end of the Lord's Prayer, a prayer for protection. He says, deliver us, verse 13, from evil. <clears throat> I doubt if I'd surprise you if I said, <clears throat> you know, the, the normal strategy of the evil one, the normal way that that the devil works in the world, it is not overt, it is covert. It's not out in the open. It's secret, it's hidden. He masquerades as an angel of light. He plays pretend. He's a liar, the father of lies, Jesus says. So he's always deceiving. He's telling you, you I've got your best interests at heart. I'm not behind the evil that you see in the world. But Jesus says, oh yes, he's real and we need to pray. Deliver us from evil. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 
pulls the curtain back, exposes the schemes of the evil one. He says, verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, not against solid physical things that you can see or point to. We don't wrestle against those things, but we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over, amazing phrase here, we wrestle against this present darkness. We wrestle against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So there is a battle. It's real. It's raging around each one of us, around our children and our grandchildren, our community. And we accept it by faith because as Paul says, it's a spiritual battle. You're not going to see it with physical eyes. You may see consequences of it. But you're not going to be able to observe it in the same direct physical way you can other things. And he said, pray, Jesus, pray for help in this battle. And Paul said, look at what you're up against. Cry out to God for help. Now, what God's Word is doing, it's not trying to make you scared, right? Not trying to make you paranoid. God's Word isn't here to to freak you out, but to remind you that you have a powerful alliance in this battle. You talk to the God of the universe as His child. You have a powerful alliance. The Son of God came and took on the forces of hell. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated Satan. And he rose triumphantly on the third day. And he did that for you. We live by his resurrection power. We are a resurrection people. We are a people with a gospel, a good news message. Because greater is the one who is with us than the one who is against us. Our ally is so powerful. And so Ephesians 6, 18, we should be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Don't be paralyzed by fear. But be alert and constantly prayerful. All kinds of prayers, right? All kinds of supplication and all perseverance. That means we don't quit praying this prayer. That, by the way, that's, that may be the only prayer that, out of the Lord's Prayer, that I word for word pray every week for my family. I mentioned my wife and my two children. I say, deliver us from evil. Because there's stuff going on in my world that I can't see. There are schemes that are playing out against me and my wife and our children that I am unaware of. Cosmic powers at work in this present darkness. So I just pray, deliver us from evil. And I know that he does. Let's close out our time this morning by praying together.
I don't think it'd be any good to just talk about prayer this morning. We need to be praying, and we're going to use Jesus' words this morning. Lord Jesus, you said pray like this, (coughs) and so we're going to. We pray our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And Father, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. We pray this, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. This morning, if you need prayers, specifically over something going on in your world, I'll be down here. Phil is down here. We'd love to pray with you, over you. Um, You can pray with somebody around you, family member, small group, Bible class, uh, pew neighbor, Uh, We believe in the power of prayer at this church. We'd invite you to do that as we worship. But also, I want to say, if you want to place membership, we'd love to talk with you about that. Um, If you need to be baptized today, we'd love to help you with that as well. Join your life to the gospel story. You can do that. Above all, let's put God in the highest place. Let's hallow his name together as we stand and worship him right now. This is my desire. To great morning of worship. Just a couple of reminders uh, before I dismiss. Uh, We hope to see everyone here tonight as we continue our study of living hope in 1st and 2nd Peter. Jacob uh, Hawk will be providing that that lesson for us tonight. 
If you are a new member here at Preston Crest since January 1st of 2022, anytime this year, we have a very special dinner invitation for you, the elders and their wives. Uh, we want to visit with you, and that'll be uh, uh, September the 25th. Uh, we'll have a dinner. We need you to RSVP for us, uh, and you can see that more information that's in the bulletin. So we look forward to visiting with our new members. Uh, and just a reminder, we are calling out new deacons, and so many of you received a mail uh, in the mail, the nomination forms, or they are also available in the back. There's a, uh, a black box that you can put the completed nomination forms in. There's also uh, just uh, other nomination forms back there. So if you would please take care of that, those are due at least by October the 2nd. Join me in our take-home verse from Psalms 115.1. I'm sorry, from Psalms 115.13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Go in the love and peace of God.